and welcome to this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm your host, Ted Flint, and I'm working on a column for the Pac Perspective on the BMG Network, and it's uh, regarding Andrew Cuomo, and he is seeking to become, once again, the governor of New York State. This guy has no shame, and I think he's he's got to be detached from reality at some level. Talk about hubris. I mean, this guy... The, the allegations against him, sexual misconduct by nearly a dozen women, uh, the uh, allegations that he used state workers to help him write his book. And the big the big story, and I, I would think this would be the one that sinks him, sinks any future political aspirations. He is directly responsible for the deaths of as many as 12,000 nursing home residents. Because of his mandate, he ordered COVID-positive patients to be put in nursing homes. And here he is at a Harlem church this week, you know, trying to curry favor with the black people. A lot of black people love him. A lot of black voters like Andrew Cuomo for whatever reason. Maybe because he's ethnic. I mean, everybody's ethnic here in America. But so he's at a Harlem church doing what any low-life politician would do, looking to, you know, make sure he gets the black people on his side. Because any Democrat has got to get the votes of at least 90% of blacks to even have a chance of winning an election. So he's thinking he's he's going to knock off the current governor, Kathy Hochul. And I mean, Hochul is, she appears to be a weak governor. She appears there for the taking. There was a piece by Bob McManus in a the New York Post last week touched on her, her weakness. I mean, she is an accidental governor. I mean, she, the way uh, David Patterson was when and Elliot Spitzer had his problems with uh, with women. Uh, he was uh, ousted or he stepped down and then Patterson stepped in and was a horrible, nice guy, uh, hilarious uh, radio guest. He has a great sense of humor, but a horrible governor. And Kathy Hochul is uh, from Western New York. She's from Erie County. She was a, I think she was some kind of a county lawmaker or county official. At some point, she was a one-term congressman from Erie County. And there was talk, the scuttlebutt in Albany uh, a few months back before Cuomo had all these sexual allegations against him with it. He was going to dump Kathy Hochul in his next run for governor because she is, uh, you know, from Western New York. She doesn't hold enough creds for the New York City folks. He wanted to get somebody maybe of color or who had some cred with with blacks and Hispanics. So he's going to dump her anyway. So he thinks he's going to take her, uh, take her on for the nomination. And, you know, I've had this discussion with some colleagues of mine at work. I mean, it's New York State, as I put in my column, which will be up there on the BMG network, hopefully tomorrow. It is New York, and there's nothing out of the realm of possibility. He could very well get the nomination. This friend of mine at work says he doesn't see it happening because, uh, you know, so much against him. Just because he wasn't convicted, he was cleared of all those charges, it doesn't mean he's not guilty. And I think if he goes to run again, he's a sitting duck. And I, you know, I think the assembly, especially Carl Hasty, the speaker of the assembly, has said, if Cuomo runs, that we have the votes in the assembly to impeach him. Democrats want to impeach him. So not only do Republicans not like him, a lot of Democrats don't like Andrew Cuomo. But he's undaunted. He's thinking of running for governor again. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, let's see. There's another story here that I, I saw. This it's not a, you know, it's not Ukraine or it's not a huge story, but it's one that's it's telling. And the next time you're thinking of going and seeing a movie, especially some of these superhero movies starring Mark Ruffalo, for instance, he played the Incredible Hulk, or Robert Downey Jr., who played, I think, Iron Man. 
Think again. These people are hardcore radical liberal from on every issue, from A to Z. So Ruffalo is among a number of Hollywood types, Leonardo DiCaprio and these other eco-activists are calling for a Canadian bank to stop funding fossil fuel expansion. And they want this bank to withdraw from a coastal pipeline in the country. Now, we have record high prices at the pump. I drive, and I've said this, I don't want to repeat myself a million times. That's a sign of an old guy who does that, keeps repeating himself. But I drive 40 miles to work one way, 35 to work, five miles to get my daughter to SUNY Albany and back to work, and then we both go home uh, from the legislature. But we're talking 80 miles round trip. Now, gas is at 4.29 a gallon where I live, upstate New York. That's about the national average. It may be a little lower. New York is always higher. But you have these liberals. They don't drive 40 miles to work. I mean, they have their their electric vehicles, a lot of them. And, uh, you know, money's not an issue with them anyway. But you have DiCaprio. You have uh, Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr., Amy Schumer, of course, uh, Jane Fonda, who's about 90, Susan Sarandon, you know, these typical liberal Hollywood types, and Ben Stiller. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised by it. I'm kind of disappointed. I love Ben Stiller. He is one of the fine comedic actors around today. But there are a number of others. They signed this petition demanding the Royal Bank of Canada stop financing a multi-billion dollar natural gas pipeline. Now, Canada supplies the U.S. with I forget how many millions of barrels a day. They're our top supplier, Canada. Mexico is second. Russia is third. Then you have Saudi Arabia, and I think even Iran or Venezuela is getting in on the act. But we're the number one producer, we were under Trump, of oil and natural gas in the world. We have all these great natural resources beneath the surface. God has blessed us with an abundance of natural resources, and you have Biden and his, his clique not letting us drill on federal lands. And that's they can't see why that's driving up the, the price of oil and, and natural gas. Diesel. Five bucks for a gallon of uh, diesel fuel. Next, we talk about our our first lady, Jill Biden. I saw this in uh, World Net Daily. It's reprinted originally by Isa Cox of the Western Journal, and it talks about this Jill Biden. She is uh, she's a typical liberal nutcase with this COVID and the masking. So she hosted this event, this soiree for the wives of congressional. Uh, mostly Democrats, probably, at the White House. Now, you'd imagine it would be non-political. It's a social event for the lawmakers and their wives and husbands. They're going to visit the people's house and visit with the uh, the nation's number one political spouse, Jill Biden. So in, in Joe and Jill Biden's America, even traditional nonpartisan White House functions are places where there, there's plenty of political posturing and uh, pandemic era shunning as the Western Journal put it. But I'll read you uh, some of this here, and it just gives you a taste of how the, and we all know, we all know people like Jill Biden. I do. I know, you know, working at the legislature. Erica Donalds, wife to freshman Florida Congressman Byron Donalds, who is a pro-Trump, staunchly conservative Republican, tweeted a screenshot of the First Lady's COVID-19 guidelines for the event. And they're even more arbitrary and discriminatory than you would think for an event like this. This is what the uh, tweet said. First Lady Jill Biden was kind enough to invite me and other congressional spouses to a reception at the White House. This is what Mrs. Donalds tweeted. I just have to take a COVID test. And as an unvaccinated person with natural immunity, I won't be allowed to eat, drink, or talk to anyone. Should be a blast, is what she tweeted. This is, you know, obviously you use your common sense. 
but the screenshot of the purported invitation email stipulated that fully vaccinated guests are not required to wear a mask on the White House grounds. Guests who are not fully vaccinated have got to wear a mask at all times, including abstaining from eating or drinking. Now, who would invite somebody to a soiree and not allow them to eat or drink? I would take my mask off and I would eat and drink right in front of them. As long as you're six feet from others. And that's that's also part of the stipulation. It's got to be six feet while in the White House grounds, even if you're outdoors. This is obviously absurd. And you can bet the ones who were unvaccinated were mostly Republicans or wives of Republican lawmakers. The ones who criticized Biden's heavy-handed approach to vaccine mandates and the masking protocols and all of it. If you're unvaccinated, and my, my daughter's going through this mess at SUNY Albany. They said they were going to do away with the, uh, the mask mandate during the holidays. Now they, she went back to school today, first day back. They have to finish out the week with masks. I thought it was optional. No, you got to wear the masks while in class. She says, when I get outside of class, I take it off. When I'm in the library, I take it off. Now they're giving her a hard time because she's not boosted. She's fully vaccinated, but not boosted. There are all kinds of threats. They're going to fine her. They're going to, she's non-compliant and all this other, I got to be careful what I say here. It's just aggravating. And I said, honey, she did, She goes, I didn't sign up for this. I said, well, you go to a state university, it's anything government related is going to be like that. It's going to be unbending. It's a state university. That's how they operate. Unbending, strict. They don't care if you have, they don't want to care about religious exemptions. They're not going to even entertain that. And everybody's six feet from you. The professors are afraid to go near you. I mean, folks, we're not, this is no longer, I think it's no longer a pandemic. It's endemic. It's like the seasonal flu. But these people are acting like it's 2019 and 2020. Some of these uh, educational people, we know who controls the educational establishment. Democrats and progressives. They control education. And this is what you get. All right, on to another issue here. You know, Glenn Greenwald is a fine reporter. He's left of center. He's a, a, a Democrat, I think a lifelong Democrat. And he's blasting the mainstream media for its collusion with the Democrat Party to squash the Hunter Biden laptop story of 2020. This was two years ago this stuff came out about Biden, the younger Biden, and the laptop, in the child pornography charges, and what's on that laptop, and him, you know, videotaped of him uh, cooking crack cocaine. But the media squashed it because they wanted to pull Joe Biden across the finish line so he could win the presidency. This is in the Daily Wire. Glenn Greenwald, an independent journalist, laid into corporate media in a Twitter thread Saturday morning detailing how government officials and media outlets, which are basically two and the same, had effectively colluded to protect Joe Biden's embattled son, Hunter, during the presidential election. Now, he ultimately, Greenwald, left The Intercept. He co-founded that, by the way. He was asked to sanitize an article he was writing about then-candidate Joe Biden and his son Hunter and their past dealings with both China and Ukraine, which you never hear any more about the Biden's connections, their financial dealings in the Ukraine, and in Russia, and in China as well. So Greenwald said, later for this, I'm not sanitizing anything. But there's a new book out, by the way, and I'm kind of skipping all over the place here because of time. The New York Post's Miranda Devine, who's got a great column recently about just this issue. She authored the book, The Laptop from Hell, noted that none of the senior ex-intelligence officials who swore that reports about Hunter Biden were nothing more than Russian disinformation 
were willing to walk back their statements. You know, the, the, the Obama people. Yeah, Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, he, he's one of these people who say there's nothing there. There, It's all about Trump and collusion with Russia and everything is Trump's fault and Russia's fault. The uh, DNI director under, uh, under Obama, James Clapper, these are the same people. These people should be brought up on charges and put in prison for what they've done. I'm telling James, call me all of them, but they're all writing books and they're all you know making guest appearances on MSNBC and CNN. Unbelievable. All right, Russia will attack other neighboring countries in Europe if Ukraine's government concedes any land to Moscow. That's according to a Ukrainian lawmaker. He made this claim Monday. Lawmaker's name is Oleski uh, Goncharenko. Told CNBC that he believes the Russian government will target the Baltic states of Latvia. Lithuania and Estonia if Ukraine concedes any land at all. The three Baltic states who share a border with Russia are members of NATO. They were former members of the Soviet Union. And any significant attack on any of those countries would likely trigger NATO's Article 5 provision, which means that the United States would have to be involved. Any An attack on any member nation is an attack on America. I don't see how that is, but... So this... Uh, Goncharenko issued the response. He was asked about whether Ukraine would have to give up more regions to Moscow, like in 2014, when Russia annexed Crimea, when Obama was president. And he says that they're going to go further. This, this lawmaker, Ukrainian law, a lawmaker, said that Russia is not going to be done with the Baltic states. Next would be Poland and Georgia. Moscow is not going to stop according to this one Ukrainian lawmaker. Of course, they want the U.S. and NATO involved in this, this conflict. We should stay out of the conflict militarily. Now, you know, Russia's saber-rattling over uh, Poland, possibly sending these MiG-23 uh, jets to Ukraine. Why would they risk a nuclear war over the jets? These jets are like 40 or 50 years old, these uh, MiGs that Poland is reportedly thinking of sending Ukraine. They haven't done it. The whole thing is crazy. And I think what needs to be looked at, I think, is Joe Biden's uh, financial connections to, and his son's financial connections to Burisma, uh, the Ukrainian oil company. Uh, Hunter Biden was up to his neck in trouble with Burisma. And I think we, there has to be an investigation. In, and I think this laptop is going to lead to something. I hope it does. But we get, you know, we get led down that path every couple of years and then nothing ever happens to these people. That laptop story has been out there since 2020, and it took a, a piece in the New York Times, of all places, that confirmed that the, the laptop story is real. There is some real damaging information on that laptop. Now, these other charges, I heard this today from a, from a colleague who was a, well-sourced, that uh, there's a 14-year-old girl, and it's the daughter of Hunter Biden's older brother, Bo, who passed away a couple of years ago from cancer. She, I don't know if that's the, she's the one involved in the child pornography on the laptop, but the whole thing is a sordid mess. But I mean, there is something behind the Bidens in their, in their activities in Ukraine, in China, and in Russia. I guarantee it. Yeah, if we had a real Washington press corps and some real investigative journalists, they could look into the Bidens and their financial dealings in Ukraine and in Russia and in China. I mean, there is a there there, I believe. Anyway, that's about all we have time for. Thank you very much for tuning us in. And if you want to hear more great programming on the BMG Network, check out the Ken Burns Show. That airs Mondays. Uh, the Adrian Ross Show. 
which I believe airs Tuesdays, and this program, which airs Wednesdays and uh, again on the weekends normally. My daughter Madeline with The Essentials with Maddie Flint on, I think, Friday, her show airs. And we're on all the major podcast platforms, Amazon, TuneIn, Alexa, Spotify, you name it. That's where we are. We want you there as well. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thank you very much again, folks, for tuning us in. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.